Hey, and welcome to season two of the OS Training Podcast. I'm Steve Birch, and in this season, we're going to be doing exactly the same as we did in the last season, just after a quick summer break. We're going to be talking to really interesting people from around the open source world. I'm going to have a co-host for this season. Robbie Adair has been working with OS Training for 10 years now, and we are just approaching OS Training's 10th birthday. She's been with us since the beginning. She knows OS Training really well, and she'll be helping me interview some of these open source superstars. This week's guest is Miguel Balpeda from Nexus. Miguel is a globe-trotting ambassador for Magento and for Nexus. If you've been to a Magento event, there's at least a 50-50 chance that you've run into Miguel. He lives in Argentina, but is on an airplane traveling the world for Magento. And one of the reasons we wanted to talk with Miguel to start this season is there's been a lot of acquisitions, a lot of change in the open source world, even just in the last month or two. We've seen Acquia sold to an investment company. We've seen Automatic take an enormous investment from Salesforce. And a lot of this got rolling with Magento last year. They were sold to Adobe. And so we kick off the podcast by asking Miguel about the changes that he's seen in the Magento community since the purchase by Adobe. And spoiler alert, there have been a lot. And then we talk about some of the work he does working with the Adobe team to keep Magento going and particularly to develop some of the front-facing, headless, JavaScript-based features that are increasingly common with more high-profile and more difficult website builds. We have Robbie. Robbie, you're calling in from Texas? Yes, I am. Houston, Texas. And I'm in Florida. And we also welcome Miguel as well. Hello. Hey, Miguel, where are you calling in from today? Today, it's going to be from Argentina. Cool. And Miguel, we had your boss on the podcast last year, right? Do you work for Nexus, who are really big in the Magento world? Indeed. I work for Nexus. I've been here for the last four or five years in different roles. But yeah, it's, it's a really nice company, you know? It's pretty big. They let me travel everywhere I want. They let me do research. I think it's a pretty good company, if you ask me. So you're based down in Argentina, but you're often flying around the world for Magento events? That's true. I, I was born here in Argentina when I was, I don't know, 19, 20, I started traveling around the globe. And then I joined Nexus and I've been doing around 200 days a year for the last, I don't know, four or five years traveling. So yeah, I travel a lot. Wow, that is a lot. No, I know, I know, trust me. It's, it's getting old real quick. Now mm. I, I don't like hotels or planes anymore. I would rather live in a tent instead of a hotel, a fancy one, because I don't like being in the same room a lot of time. But no, it's, it's a good job, you know. So, so you're naturally nomadic? Exactly, yeah. I, I live with my girlfriend. She's also a remote worker, so we get to travel together a lot, which is pretty good because it's not like I'm traveling alone all the time. We get to go, well, when she has a conference, we get to go to Taiwan. When I have a conference, we get to go to Indonesia, maybe. It's, it's really good if you, can, if you can balance your life and work. It's really, really good. I'm curious, particularly because um, we've had a whole bunch of acquisition and um, investment news recently. We had Acquia in the Drupal world. Acquia basically got sold to a large investment company over in WordPress. They took a, a massive investment from Salesforce. 
Um, and there's been several other similar acquisitions and investments recently, you know, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars flying around in the open source world. And the trend seemed to start, or at least was um, accelerated last year with Magento getting sold. Uh, I know they got sold a few years ago to an investment company, but the really big headline news was when they got sold to Adobe. How has that changed the Magento community, if it has at all? Well, it's kind of early to tell because it's been, it's really recent, but we've seen many changes lately. Mostly it's going up market. We used to call Adobe, well, we used to call enterprise builds enterprise. Now that we've made Adobe, we really understand what enterprise means. Right now, we, we started seeing more and more builds becoming larger and more expensive uh, with a larger number of like customizations and integrations. So that's probably the biggest change we've seen. Builds are becoming larger, well, and more expensive. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad to say, but most of the really big builds we are seeing are, are being done by the biggest partners or like Magento partners. And that's leaving the smaller companies and the small agencies with less work because people are starting to use different systems. Magento is not the only alternative out there. That's probably the biggest change. Miguel, do you think that the community, though, with the smaller agencies, could actually capitalize on the fact that Magento is now being used for bigger and bigger enterprise level, that they could actually capitalize on that to try and capture more of the smaller business? I hope. I really hope that because Magento has been built on top of this community. So I wouldn't like people to leave or like companies converting their business to something else. I would, I would rather see these companies trying to trying to reach to small, medium businesses and try to catch that kind of deals. But it's, it's becoming increasingly harder, mostly because Magento is no longer the only platform out there. So it's, you have to compete with Shopify, WooCommerce, BigCommerce, all those companies, they're doing a really nice job. And if Magento wants to go up market, it's going to be hard to compete with these small and medium deals because mostly, well, we are no longer the only alternative out there, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was doing some, uh, some reading around because I stepped out of the, the flow of Magento news for a couple of months or so, and I was doing some reading around just before talking to you, Miguel, and the first thing I came across was an Adobe press conference where they were breaking down all the different revenue lines and talking about their enormous sales team, you know, like you get with IBM or Microsoft, very enterprise-focused, very sales team-focused, uh, perhaps a long way away from an original open source community atmosphere. Yeah, it's, that's true. They have, well, they have different lines or different products. So far we have Magento Open Source, Magento Commerce, and Adobe Commerce. Basically, the main difference is you have to pay a license for Adobe Commerce and Magento Commerce, but you can do anything you want with the open source version. It's, it's kind of hard to understand if you are not into it because there aren't there are many differences between Magento Commerce and Adobe Commerce. But it's, yeah, one of the things I hear the most is people being afraid of Adobe shooting down the open source initiative. I don't think that's going to happen, personally. I'm one of the maintainers of the open source initiative on GitHub. We are a small external team maintaining Magento too, with the help of the internal Magento team. But yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But you never know, to be honest. Adobe has this history with open source projects like 
PhoneGap and Adobe Cordova, which is pretty much the same product, once the open source version or once the paid version. So I don't think this is gonna I don't think it's gonna be a problem. I don't think things will change, at least not in the short term. But again, you never know with companies this big. Oh, okay, so there's an actual uh, attention, perhaps, or sometimes a collaboration between a community team, like like yourself, um, community team members maintaining one version of Magento, and an Adobe team maintaining the commercial version. Yep, exactly that. We are. It's it's kind of hard to explain, but we are basically gatekeepers on GitHub. We tell Magento what's good and what's not that good, and then they they take those issues, those pull requests, and they they merge that internally, they analyze that again, and they do the testing. But yeah, we're basically telling Magento, hey, this, is, this has potential, this won't work, or we are the first line of response. When people submit the problem or when they submit code, we'll be like, have you checked this? Can you run the test for that? Do you mind checking the code formatting too? It's, it's a really good way to collaborate between an open source project and a really big company behind that because most of the times I'm the guy traveling and next week I'm going to be in Amsterdam and then in Madrid and then in Tokyo and sometimes Magento doesn't go to those places and people know they can ask me about the issues they have and I'll be bringing those issues internally to Magento or to Adobe and it's for me it's been really interesting at least for the last two years because I got to see where people are struggling and I got to see what exactly do people need and where the issues are arising. And does the Adobe internal team, they also commit back out into the open source, their changes too? Yep. Awesome. Yeah, it's, that's, that's the most important part because while there are some commerce only features like page builder, there are features like Elasticsearch for the entire searches that were ported from Magento Commerce to Magento Open Source. And that was a really nice addition from Adobe to the open source version, if you ask me. That's nice. And uh, speaking of new features, you actually recently wrote a blog post for OS Training's blog about the progressive web apps, which progressive web, web apps for our listeners, if they don't know, are basically JavaScript applications that run in the browser. So in, instead of having to be processed on the server and then, and then sent to the browser, they actually run in the browser. And in that article, uh, you mentioned that if Magento uh, would incorporate some other advanced technologies, you think it'll make it even better, like GraphQL, uh, QL, and um, you think that'll increase load times and such. So uh, what can you tell us? Why do you like that so much? And were the progressive web apps something that came from the internal team or the open source world? Yeah, so I'm going to say this first. I'm not a front-end developer. I know about JavaScript and I know about WAs, but I haven't built one, and that's really important to tell. I've been trying to introduce this at Nexus for over two years now. When I was, when I still was the guy traveling, I used to do research and development. And two years ago, I came with this idea to try to support this new crazy buzzword called PWA. And people were looking at me like, hey, you're crazy. What's that? It's never gonna work. And I'm like, dude, trust me on this one. And they were like, nope, it's not something we, we are interested in. Two years now, two years later, here we are talking about PWA. So basically, what I like about this technology the most is that the front end we have currently in Magento 2 is not that good and it's not that easy to extend. And by introducing PWA capabilities to Magento 2, I think we are going to be having more robust stores in the front end and probably a better user experience and user interface. You know, I do like the introduction of GraphQL 
it it's, it has been introduced in 2.1 or 2.0, if I recall that correctly. But right now, it's not. We can't cover everything we need with GraphQL, so we are also using REST and those those yes, we use right now from Magento to MPWA. But I think the coverage, the the GraphQL coverage, is increasing, and it's going to be a new release in Magento Live Europe next week. Uh, one of the things that are really interesting about this project is that there's an official PWA project coming from Magento, but there are also many third-party integrations that are really complete, like Didi or Vue Storefront. One is based in Vue.js and the other one is based on React. But it's, I really like to see different options so people don't have to be like, no, I'm, I'm required to use this because it's the only option out there. I think we are going to be seeing more and more PWA implementations, but so far it's becoming, it's, it's being really slow, mostly because people don't get to understand or don't get to fully understand what PWA is. And there are companies selling things that are not entirely PWA. So it's, we're still in that time between like the vast world and the real implementations, but I think we'll get there eventually. So Miguel, will you uh, humor me for just a couple of minutes? I'm on a good day. I'm probably about 20% of a good coder. On Friday afternoon, like today, um, I'm probably about 5% of a good coder. So in practical terms, a, a PWA basically involves taking a Magento site, maybe avoiding the, perhaps the slightly clumsy PHP template files, taking the Magento site and exporting the data through the REST API or through GraphQL, and then putting a, perhaps a, a JavaScript front end on it to, display the output? Yeah, it's exactly that. It's basically, well, we used to call this headless before PWA was a thing. So it's basically cutting the head out of Magento and using their APIs to consume the information that's stored on the database. You still have the administration <laughs> panel on the back end. You still have, well, probably the checkout because nobody wants to touch the checkout in Magento too. But yeah, it's basically what you said. Trying to consume that information using JavaScript, which is quite faster in the front end, um, mostly because it's storing the client. So yeah, it's pretty much what you said, yeah. Well, you know what I am? Um, maybe four or five years ago, I wrote a, a post about headless Drupal and mm -hmm. the name had been coined by someone else. And there was a, an image going around that was like the, um, the movie with the headless horseman, with the that. guy on a horse riding around with like a Drupal head hanging off him and there must have been like half a dozen comments on my blog post saying headless is a terrible term um it's kind of disgusting it's gross um uh, why don't we come up with a more corporate sounding term that uh we can sell to our clients and so i guess that's what pwa is it's a yeah more... it's it's yeah it's not exactly the same but yeah, i gave you what you mean and the internet is it's kind of complex in times like that when they don't like the way we name things, but it's, it's an evolution to say in a way, because we started with headless and then we introduced, well, everybody found out about JavaScript and how easy it is to write JavaScript. So that's, that's one of the reasons people started using this PWA acronym, but it's, JavaScript is a different world if you ask me, and it's, I still have to see what's the best way to implement this because everybody's doing what they want and there's no real standard out there. So it, that worries me a little bit because we need to 
we really need to normalize what we sell to our customers and having a customer doing anything they want or like this customer doing this and that customer doing something completely different, it's, it's going to cost us time and resources. So it's, it's kind of hard on that side, if you ask me. Is there anything that's even close to becoming a, uh, a front-end standard? You, you take the data from Magento, you pass it through uh, GraphQL. What are people using to build the front-end of the Magento sites these days? Required JS. It's basically a new JavaScript framework, but yeah, it's mostly what people is using nowadays is HTML, JavaScript, and CSS using what Magento created as their front-end framework. And it's not very popular. And it's not really extensible because we have this thing called UI resources. And it's, it's really, really, really hard to extend. And people don't like to work with it. And that's, that's why PWS is becoming more and more popular these days. Mostly because the experiment they did with Magento 2 Frontend, it didn't work out that well, you know? It's, it's okay, it works, but it's not really that performant and it's not that easy to implement and extend. And that's why people is looking for different alternatives to that. Do you think that a lot of the reason why, though, that the PWAs are growing on e-commerce side of things in particular is because of mobile and purchasing on mobile? Probably, yes. It's, it's becoming increasingly harder and expensive to buy a, a native a mobile application. And people is trying to cut the cost and create a PWA application where they can actually install that from the browser because one of the things about PWA is that you can install that from the browser and have this icon in your desktop from your phone, from your computer, and execute that just like an app. So I think one of the reasons is becoming mobile first and a different reason, or probably the second reason is the cost, the added cost of building three different apps, one for Windows, one for iPhone, and one for Android, where you can just buy or create a PWA application that works in the three operating systems. And you also then get the benefit of being searched on Google because a PWA is going to show up in search results, whereas a native app on a phone is not. That's true. Um, it's kind of, it's complicated mostly because people don't do CEO right when they do PWA apps, but it's just like I always say, you really need to find the right platform for the right job. There are a couple of agencies out there doing a really good CEO work, but most of the implementations we see are, are, are missing that key feature. And it's, it's kind of hard because Magento 2 has a really good CEO out of the box, but it's when you, you, know, when you put the front end on top of it, you have to do it by yourself and it's causing some people issues. It's not a general thing, but it's one of the things I, I tell developers, you need to watch your CEO when you are doing progressive web app. That's the must. So the SEO that you naturally get out of the box with Magento, you are having to recreate with a PWA. I didn't, I, I didn't think about that issue. <laughs> yep, it's, it's a real problem. Yeah, that's true. Well, my experience in this is mostly on the, on the Drupal side of things. And I've seen it probably go for about four or five years now. And it's interesting that quite a lot of the people that adopted headless, we'll say, being the Drupal word, actually started to move away from it recently because they realized it wasn't a particularly good fit for really simple sites. Like some of them did their company websites or uh, personal sites, fairly basic brochure sites in, in headless. And they realized that there was a lot of work to do to maintain the front end. It was, yep. it yeah. was heavy lifting. Yeah, I um, know. We've seen that too. And 
I, I keep hearing people say Magento is the best option for anything and PWA is what you need to be doing. But for me, the answer is always, it depends on the work. You know, there's no need to create a company website using PWA because one of the things that are really interesting about PWA is that it's a stateful way of doing things. So when, it's, when something changes, the application changes, but nothing changes in a company website. You know, it's just you, me, our pictures and what we do. So you don't need to have a state for that. You don't need a PWA just for showing our pictures and a job description, you know? So probably those people you mentioned that are moving away from a headless approach, most probably they need it in the first place, you know? And someone came and sold them to that, but they were, that's not what they, they needed. Actually. Yeah, I, I think quite a few of these were agencies that maybe used it as a learning experience. And then they came to realize that the best fit for it was those larger projects, projects mm -hmm. where you have maybe an app, maybe a, an, an Android and an Apple app. You have a website, uh, you have multiple different outlets for your data, you know, the more complex yep. projects. Yep, absolutely, yeah. We, this is an e-commerce space, so most of the people will ask me for a web app, a web page, and a mobile app, and we can solve them all with a PWA application. So it's it's pretty good in some cases, and in some cases, it doesn't work at all. So, Miguel, both Apple Pay and Amazon Pay have been really marketing heavily to web devs out there. And Magento does have plugins for both of those. Have you been seeing a, a, an increase in demand of using Apple Pay and Amazon Pay? I've seen an increase in Apple Pay and Amazon Pay, but it's mostly in like northern countries, Europe and the States. This is a, Magento is a global company and it has business in a lot of countries. And it really depends on how widespread the Apple Pay or Amazon Pay technology is in that country in particular. Because we, we keep seeing people that doesn't want to put their credit cards in the sites because they're afraid, because they think something bad's gonna happen. But that usually happens in countries that don't have a really good or really long history of buying online. So yeah, I've seen an increase, but it's, it really depends on the countries. What do you think um, is kind of the still the most uh, viable to cover internationally? Yeah, in Europe, it's going to be Klarna or Aiden. They are really good payment providers. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Magento events. There's a couple of Magento events coming up, Magento Live Europe and 2019 in October of this year, I should say. And then we've got the Magento Imagine at the Adobe Summit. So it's paired up with the Adobe Summit there in March of 2020. Um, what can you tell us about the events and are you going to be at either of them? I'm going to be next week in Amsterdam for Magento Live Europe. I'm going to be leading two roundtables. One is about remote working and the other one is about Magento in Spanish, in the Spanish markets. But yeah, it's before I was a product manager at Nexus, I used to be the guy traveling. I, well, I still travel around 200 days a year. And mostly what I do is events, Magento events. This year I did the Adobe Summit and then Magento Imagine. And as you said, both events are now Adobe Summit in Vegas in April. But it's, I don't know, I really like going to events mostly because I get to see the people I met online. I knew it's it's a privilege for me to get to do that, but it's really funny, you know, because it's not, it's not that 
I don't like doing business only on the internet, only in my computer. I really like seeing people and meeting them in person and go outside for a beer, maybe for a coffee. And that's, that's one of the reasons I like the most about traveling. I get to travel a lot. I've seen places I wouldn't have seen without a job like this. Like last year, I visited the Taj Mahal, the Coliseum in Rome, and the Egypt pyramids in like four months. And that was like mind blowing for me. But mm-hmm. the only reason I was able to do that was because I traveled for work, you know? And I was traveling for work in those countries and I was doing events in those countries. But then I spent some time doing tourism and that made me so happy. It makes a, it makes a difference with you actually getting to meet those people that you're working with online face-to-face, correct? I mean, that's part of the, the community that builds up with going to these events. Exactly. And again, I know it's a privilege, mostly because not everybody can travel to these events. It costs money and it's expensive. I'm happy to have Nexus paying for most of this. But it's when, when you get to meet these people and then you meet them at the next event and you meet them like five years in a row in their home city, Romania, maybe, you get to, you get to know these people in person, you know? And it's not like we're just coding together or we are just do, using the same software to do e-commerce. It's more like a personal relationship. And that's, and that's what we call the community, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, that relationship we built over time in different places because there are people I see more than my own family, you know? With this many days travel, I don't get to see my mom that much. And I get to see these people way more, the ones who are traveling regularly, I get to see them way more than my own family. And I consider them as relatives, you know? Magento family. Absolutely, yes, Magento family. So Miguel, I'm interested in what you're seeing from the Nexus point of view. Um, Okay, I'll I'll preface this by saying, please feel free not to answer uh, if it's privileged information. So I'm interested from the Nexus point of view because you guys are a company that does quite a few things. You've got your your fingers in Magento in WooCommerce. Um, You guys sponsored our WooCommerce book and videos. Also in uh, Expression Engine, and multiple different platforms. Uh, from the Nexus point of view, are you guys seeing the marketplace change at all? Um, I know you just did a big partnership with Liquid Web in the WordPress space. Um, it, this market moves fast. Are you seeing any, any big changes or, or shifts in platforms at the moment? Well, we were acquired by Liquid Web this year, and it's been a really fun ride because <laughs> I have never seen a company that big and I have never been a part of a company that big. So it's, you get to see a lot of things. And yes, I believe the market is changing. I've been doing this for the last 10 years, maybe. And when I started, Magento was the only self-hosted platform you could use to create your e-commerce store. And now there are many options. So there's definitely a shift from only one option to multiple options. And in my opinion, it's really important to get your requirements right when you are building an e-commerce store because there are a lot of options out there where you can choose. And if you need, I don't know, B2B or you need something particular, you shouldn't be doing Magento or maybe you shouldn't be doing Shopify before consulting with anybody who knows how to do an e-commerce store. It's the the main change I see is, yeah, more options out there for sure. So perhaps to some extent being acquired by Adobe may be a good thing. It, in a world with so many options, Magento's taken under 
the wing of a very big brand with a big sales team, a big marketing team, it might be the kind of thing that Magento needs to survive and thrive in the long term? I hope that. One of the things that I keep seeing in these really huge enterprise Adobe builds is that Magento is just a really, really tiny part of a bigger implementation with many, many integrations with different systems. I was used to be the center of the show, basically, when I was coding Magento, mostly because we weren't doing integrations or that many integrations, but now we, we became just a tiny part of a bigger project. So I don't know how that's going to work out for Magento, but I hope Adobe doesn't kill the project by doing that. I'm by not more, sure. It's kind of hard to tell. By more integrations, do you mean uh, Adobe Analytics, Adobe Marketing Cloud, Adobe um, uh, Horses, yeah, exactly. Adobe, uh, <laughs> Adobe everything else? Yep. Are those the integrations yeah. you're saying? Yeah, exactly that. But I'm also meaning integrations with the external ERPs, Marketo, that kind of stuff. And not the e-commerce as a center of the operation. Because that's no longer the case in big enterprise builds, you know? I think actually, Miguel, what you're saying there is not only happening at the enterprise level, I think we're actually starting to see an open source world, um, even with your medium builds that, you know, CMSs and e-commerce tools out there are having to integrate with all of these other tools, because even the medium sized businesses are using many of those tools you mentioned, you know, CRM over here and uh, some analytics over here, and they want whatever tool they use to integrate with everything. That's exactly what I'm seeing. Exactly that. Thank you so much, Miguel. Where can people follow you and your work? You're probably on social media as much as you're actually in one physical place. Um, you have a, a Twitter account or other socials that people can follow? Yeah, you can, you can find me on Twitter at mbalpara, the first letter of my name and my last name. I'm usually there. Or you can find me on person, I don't know, somewhere maybe. <laughs> Never know. If you're traveling uh, 250 days a year, they're probably going to find you somewhere near them. Yeah, no, sometimes that's soon. true. I'll go visit your place sooner than you'll find me on Twitter, probably. <laughs> Funny. And we'll also put links to your contact information below. So, Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, Miguel. Okay. Thank you very much for your time.